this story that really emulates that God is for us. So let's go to that story in Exodus, chapter 17, verse 8 through 15. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. The Hebrew name is Jehovah Nisi. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. If God is for us, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Doesn't that name emulate that he is for us? You know, maybe we don't really appreciate or understand in the context of the historical context of what a banner represents. You know, today we more have flags, okay? Each country, each nation, each state. You know, Texas is the only state that the state flag and the national flag can fly at the same height. That's just Texas for you, right? It's pretty cool, like Texas, okay? But back in the day, how you represented your people, your nation, your army, you had a banner. They were carried, that served as marks of identification and as symbols. They weren't flags. They were, they were often made of wood or metal and usually had a symbol that represented your people. And it had several purposes. It could be seen from afar because it would usually be held up on a really high staff or rod. And it served as a rallying point. Whenever you need to gather your people, gather the army, the banner would be lifted and everyone would gather to be toward that. But it also singled a time when it, the battle was raging and, and the banner was raised in the middle of the battle. It meant that victory was almost assured. And you never wanted the other army to come get your banner because that meant defeat. And so we have this picture of a banner of God's people. And yet here we see who is our banner? Who is our symbol? Who is the one that embodies who we should be? God. He's our banner. He's the one at the front of the army. He's the one who rallies us. You know, we can be rallied about around a lot of things, but are we really rallied around God and his purpose? You know, I, I, I have a question. What battles are you fighting today? And is the battle you're in one that God has chosen for you? Now, you might think that's a strange question, but if he is our banner, if he's the one who leads us into battle, then the battles we should be fighting should be the ones he chooses, not you. 
And the danger is if we're choosing the battle, then you're going to be leading it yourself. You're going to be leading it with your own strength, and ultimately, you will be defeated. We fight a lot of battles, but some of them are not the ones in line with God's will. So we got to ask ourselves, is the Lord our banner? Is he for you? Because you're actually for him. Because you're choosing to not fight the battles that were never intended. For example, the battle of your pride. Fighting for your way, your rights, your concerns. That's not a battle the Lord chooses for us. Jesus never chose that battle, ever. He always chose the battle for us, for others, as Bill shared. What about the battle for money? Is that a battle that God has chosen? He's the one who gives it to you. You don't need to fight for it. He'll give you what you need. Might not give you what you want. Maybe some of you this week, you know, you went out and got one of those Powerball tickets. I'm actually, I actually thank God I didn't do it. Because I'm afraid of what, what if that amount of money was now within my grasp? It scares me to think what that would do to my heart. That is a battle I do not want to have to fight. Okay, I'm sure you would. And and I've always believed that the only time God's going to let me win money is when I guarantee 100% of it goes to him. In fact, if he wants me to win, I don't need to buy the ticket. I'll go find it. Right? So, I mean, what battles are you choosing? Then you're your own banner. But what battles are you fighting that God has chosen, and therefore he is your banner? He is Jehovah Nisi. He's the one who leads us into battle. But that doesn't mean that God wants us as Christians to be spectators. You know, when we hear that God is for us, that God leads the battle, that doesn't mean he wants you on the sidelines. God doesn't want Christian spectators. He wants Christian participants. But you don't lead the battle. He does. So then the question comes, well then, how do I apply this story to me today? How can I truly believe God is for me, and how can I show him that I'm for him? Well, we're going to dissect this story, and there's three key components that give us application of how we can be for God and truly trust in him to lead the battles in our life and ultimately bring us victory. The first one is this, power. And you think, well, what do you mean, power? Guys, if we're going to fight a battle... We want power, but we don't want our power. We want God's power. If you go back to the passage in verse 9, Exodus 17 says, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. What does that staff represent? The power of God. This is the same staff that when God told him to go before Pharaoh and lay it before the magicians, it was that staff. This is the same staff that when God commanded to strike the river and turn it into blood, it did. This is the same staff that God commanded to strike the dust and gnats filled Egypt. This is the same staff that when they were confronted at the Red Sea, he struck the water. He lifted it above, and God parted the water. It's the same staff that when they were thirsty in the desert, and God commanded them to strike the rock, water came forth. There is power 
in God, not in Moses. There is power in God, not our own. So what is that power for us today? Obviously, I'm not encouraging everyone to go get a staff, okay? But there is something that we should be holding in our hands. It's the Word of God. You know, this year we started with an incredible, I think, encouragement from Todd that we're going to learn a memory scripture every week. Are you doing it? Or are you going to face your battles without power? You know, the second memory scripture applies to what I'm talking about. Acts 17, 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Why? For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Did you memorize that? I did. I've known it for years, but I still wanted to memorize it again because I need that word. How have you done already in just the first 17 days of 2016? Did you read every day? Well, Derek, you're just being legalistic. No, I'm not. You breathe every day. You eat every day, I hope, unless you're purposely fasting for a spiritual reason. Shouldn't we be reading the Bible every day? We are given the, the book, Draw the Circle. Man, if you don't even know where to turn the Bible, at least there's verses in that thing every day. But do more than read the book. The book's great. It's a great starting point. But we need to be in the Word of God. I tell you, it's awesome memorizing these scriptures. And there's apps that can help you. Bible-minded, great app. You can put all the apps in. You can choose the translation you like. And it tests you. And you can review it. But guys, if we're truly going to be for God, we've got to have His power, not our own. Look at this passage in Proverbs 4. Then he taught me and said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. There's a lot of things we do with our heart. Do we embrace the word of God with it? Do we really open up the Bible? And I still like the real thing. (laughs) I don't, I'm not against anyone having it digitally. It's very convenient. You can take it wherever you go. But I like opening up the Word, now with my reading glasses, unfortunately, but yes. Opening it up, finding the right distance, and reading, and listening, and praying through, and thinking, how does this apply to me? Is this a promise? Is this a command? Is this an example I should imitate or not? What is in here for me? God is speaking to me right now. But then a lot of us will do that, but then we put the Bible down, and we go off to face the battles of the day without the power. we got to take what we have in our time in the Word with us. That's why memory scriptures are so helpful. In that moment of temptation, that scripture can come, and it can give us power. If you've been trying to change, if you have a goal this year to be stronger as a disciple than you've ever been, you've got to start with the power. And it's got to be with the Word of God. Amen? The Word is what will convince us that God is for us. And being in the Word every day will show God that we're for Him. This leads to the second thing we learn from this story. How can we be for God? Prayer. Exodus 17, 11, it says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. 
But whenever the Lord is hands, the Amalekites were winning. Have you ever felt like that? That man, when you're faithful, you're praying, things are going great, and then you got that downtime, and now things are falling apart. We can relate. And so what does that teach us? Because the question I had is, that's kind of sad, really. I mean, God, you're supposed to be for me. Why are we winning or losing based on Moses? Could God just defeat the Amalekites? Yes. He absolutely could. So why didn't he? Well, part of it is this, guys. This is actually the first battle the Israelites faced after leaving Egypt. How they handled this battle would set precedent for every other battle they would face. God showed them, I don't want a spectator Israelite. I will lead the battle. I'm Jehovah Nissi, but I want you to participate. And so therefore, you praying is how you participate. And you praying persistently will help you to learn to depend on me and not just sit back idly. God wants us to participate. He could have just defeated the Malachites, but he purposely did not. He trained the Israelites that they need to be on their knees. They need to raise their hands in praise. They need to pray to God. How is our prayer life as we started 2016? You know, we've had to draw the circle. If you haven't been reading it, you are missing out. I'm on day 39. I only got a day left. Every single day has challenged me to the core. The stories, the the passages, the the prayers of people. I'm like, man, I I absolutely can grow in prayer. I have not arrived in prayer. I got to be bolder. I got to be more specific. You know, one of the quotes from one of the days that struck me especially was this one. It's really powerful. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. You know, for sake of time, I won't read this, but you know it. Luke 18, verse 1 through 5, the persistent widow. And one of the days focused on this story, and his point was, she's driving me crazy! And God used the story to teach us to never give up, to never stop praying. God actually wants you to drive him a little crazy. Are you? Guys, we have this prayer chain that we just started. My, my wife actually got to be the first one on the slot. And then I got to do the next hour after it. 12.30 to 1.30. It was awesome. I'll be honest. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be tired. i got to drive tomorrow to San Antonio. I still have to finish the sermon. But, you know, we got to stretch ourselves in our prayer. Get up in the middle of the night and pray. There's still several slots available, guys. And I, and I have to say this, this is not just about you praying, it's about us doing something together. And if you haven't signed up for a slot, you're basically saying you don't want to be together with us on this very important thing. And I'm not going to force it, but why don't you want to be a part of this? We need to pray. Even as I finished my prayer, I knew Dave Cyprus was next. So I extended my arm toward, toward that area of, the, uh, of the, the Metroplex, I think, uh, no, no, yeah, right there. Dave, I pass it on to you, brother. I pray that you're awake. <laughs> I pray that you feel my power. I did. I literally just stood up, and I looked crazy. And I didn't care. The first 30 minutes, I prayed completely on my knees, which, by the way, that was really hard getting up afterward. When it says kneel in prayer, 
Man, that is a sacrifice. Man, I was feeling, I had to like roll over first to get up. <laughs> but, but that prayer, that hour went like this. I could have kept praying. I, and then I, just got, I get to go to bed, but I honestly couldn't fall asleep because I kept praying. All the things I'm grateful for, all the things I want to be bold about. Are we praying to God? Because every answered prayer increases the boldness of your prayer. We got to get specific. Are we praying? Because that's how we can be for God. But the last one is the one that this week especially really hit me. You know, I, I always pray at the beginning of the year, God, I want this to be a greater year, but I don't always think about what that means, the process that will have to take place for that to happen. And then that process happens, you're like, ouch. And this week especially, God, I'll be honest, I just, I saw myself like, I'm in sin. It wasn't necessarily a sin of commission, but there was absolutely sins of omission that I was challenged on. Areas in my life, areas in my leadership, areas in my prayer, areas in my mission. And God had to use people to show that to me. That leads to the third thing, partners. We can have the power of God through his word and through his spirit. We can pray to God, but guys, at the end of the day, we're still limited by our flesh. We need partners. God could have easily just said, Moses, I give you supernatural strength. Your hands will never tire. But he didn't do that. I think he was not only training Israel, he was training Moses that you've got to rely not only on me, you've got to rely on other people. Because that takes a certain vulnerability. It takes a certain trust. It does demand more love, especially if that person has hurt you. So God understood, if I'm going to have Israelite truly be victorious, if I'm going to truly lead them to victory in every battle, they can't do it with me alone. They need to learn they need each other. And we see that in this verse, in verse 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur. They could have been down on the battle lines, leading the people. But they saw it was just as important to be next to Moses as he prayed. And they lifted his hands. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Pity us! If even though we believe in the power of God, even though we get on our knees and pray, and our hands are up but we're weakening, and there's no one to the left, and there's no one to the right, what do we do then? And the battle starts to be winning the other side. We're all going to get there. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're an evangelist or a brand new disciple, we need partners. You know, earlier this week on Tuesday, I celebrated 25 years as a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> you had told me 25 years ago I'd still be here. I, I mean, I hope to. But little did I know what that meant. And, and as I, I reflected, and a lot of my prayer last night was just thanking God for all the different partners that he's put in my life. You know, it's interesting because they're, they're so different. There's partners that may have just been for one conversation, but that one conversation changed your life. Others, it may be ones that you battled with, you even hated at times, and now you're best friends. There's other partners that things went great, and then you parted. There's other partners who've been with you a long time, 
really know you and have the courage to speak the truth. We all have different kinds of partners. And I just looked over 25 years, I could spend an hour talking about them all. The amazing men and women that God put in my life when my hands grew weak. And they helped me. I think the partner I'm most grateful for is the one who's known me the longest, has helped me the most, is my wife, Leanne. Now, I know there's singles here. You're going, I want one of those. I want a partner. They are awesome. I definitely pray that if that is God's will and that's your desire, that you'll have that partner too. But for those who have been blessed with that, do we appreciate them? I am the man, the, the father, the husband, the brother I am today because of my wife. The partner that she's been has been amazing. Have I always liked her input? No. Has her input most of the time been correct? Yeah. The timing not always the best. That's something she's worked on. But man, I, I started thinking in those years, because you know, we'll be 24 years this, this November, what would I be like if that partner was not in my life? It scares me. The lack of compassion, the selfishness that would be unchecked, the disconnect from my children because I didn't have her to give me the input and advice into the hearts of my children. Guys, do you appreciate the partner that God has put in your life? But you know, we need partners all the time. Yeah, I may be a disciple 25 years, guys, but I still have a lot to grow in. And God recently put some very cool partners in my life. One of them is Gordon Ferguson. It's great to have Gordon back. He had a little trip there to San Diego. And uh, Gordon asked to get some time with me. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This would be awesome. And I got, I got to admit, I, I'm so grateful to have a partner like Gordon. Someone who's got such experience, such conviction, so many stories of faith, but also an excellence in speaking and teaching and preaching. And to have someone actually give me feedback, constructive criticism. Not criticism, constructive criticism. He has the maturity to, to encourage, but at the same time, you might want to look at this. And he brought up something, and I'm not surprised at it. Because, you know, Derek, there's so many great qualities you have, but, the, but there is this thing I want you to think about. You're loud. That didn't surprise me. And that, that loudness does affect some people that are more sensitive to it, maybe culturally or even just their audible level. And, he says, and, he, and so he encouraged me, I want you to go back and listen to your own sermons. That's going to be weird. I've never really done that. But I took his advice because, you know, God puts partners in your life for a reason. And so I went back, and the, you know, a couple of them, the, the, the newest one that he challenged me on ha- hadn't come on, so I listened to them, and I, that was actually okay. That was, it's weird hearing yourself, by the way. Really weird. But then I did finally hear the one that he brought up, and my ears were wincing. I'm like, I really am loud when I don't need to be. And so I, I have to look at that. I, I'm, not, I'm still a work in progress, and I'm so grateful that Gordon loved me enough to tell me, and I need your prayers and help, and I'll step back from the mic if I need to, but I know I'm naturally loud, but I want to change that. I want to be a better preacher. 
I don't want to be a stumbling block. And I do ask forgiveness from those who that may have offended or turned off. That's not my intention. But when you feel that, come talk to me. Let me know. Because I need to see that face. I need to see that need of why I need to change these things. We need partners. And I'm looking forward to our relationship as we grow. And he helps me to be even a better preacher. I'm excited about it. It was one of those moments I came back, I was like, oh, man, i got to change. But I was also inspired that I can be better. Amen? The second partner, and I have to thank Todd for this because Todd has been amazing in bringing in incredible speakers to our church. I mean, he really has. And when he brought the Skinners this weekend, I can't tell you how that was the words of God speaking to me. And I know the, the whole staff. I mean, we had an opportunity to hear him three times. We got to have the leaders meeting. We got to have the service. And then we got to have the staff time. And I'll tell you, he just started sharing his heart and his standard as a disciple. And I just have to admit, I was conflicted. And then, when, you know, in staff, we always have a time to share. And I'm like, you know, when like, you know you need to, but you're afraid to because you know you're going to have to be vulnerable and real, and then that also means now you're accountable to change, and I was conflicted. <laughs> I, I'm being honest. All the young guys were, let me share. I'm like, oh. But I raised my hand, and it just came out. The phrase that haunted me is a question that he asked in one of the lessons is, are you an aquarium keeper or a fisher of men? And to my shame, I was more an aquarium keeper. Yeah, I'd be busy, and it's amazing how you start to justify, well, i got to get with a lot of disciples, and and you find all these excuses, and they all sound valid at the time until you see his life. How many people he invites every month, over 100 every month. And so he was sharing with the staff, this is what I think you need to expect of yourself. And I'm like going, I, I do invite people. And you, and you start to try to, how much, what's the total there? And it, it stinks. It's terrible. I, I can't even compete with that. And so I, I shared, I said, this has got to change. I'm tired of the old stories. I want some new ones. I want some new stories of faith. Someone that I invite. I don't even care if I study with them. You study with them. But I just want to invite someone that comes and then you study them because I don't want to take any credit. And they become a disciple. It's been too long. So I get home from the staff. And you know how it is when you know you need to change? That hour of justification. And I knew it. I'm like, I can't wait till tomorrow. I got to do something about this now. And I'm not even going to tell anyone else. So I just, I got on. I made this survey. So you know what? I got to start using the fact I'm a minister. I am in the Bible Belt. And so I put together this survey, and I just went to a Walmart. And I went to the manager because I wanted to get approval. I said, can I go through the Walmart and ask a survey question? And my question was simply this, you know, and I would just go up to someone. i go, excuse me, can I ask you an anonymous question for a survey? Everyone responded. I said, you know, many people, they have resolutions, physical fitness, losing weight, getting their finances together. But I want to ask you just one question. You can answer yes or no. What is your spiritual resolution? And I got a response from every single person I asked. A lot of yeses, a lot of noes. If they said yes, then I would immediately go, would you mind sharing me what it is? And it was pretty convicting because a lot of people that claimed to be Christian didn't actually say yes. And a lot of people who didn't claim any affiliation did say yes. I thought that was interesting. 
I thought a lot of Christians, when they set a resolution, it was very generic. Now, there were a few that was an awesome, it was like, oh, I'm doing this 40-day thing. I mean, they were specific. I'm like, hey, man, I'm convicted. <laughs> but it was incredible because even when they said no, I'd go, why not? And we'd have this great conversation. And so just in a matter of 20 minutes, I was able to invite 20 people. It was awesome. I was like, this is great. I even got to stop with one couple who I didn't necessarily invite to church. They weren't interested, but they shared that they had a health issue. Could you mind if I pray with you right now? And so right there in the middle of Walmart, I didn't care. We prayed. But that was only one day. I knew all those excuses, all those justifications would come back up. So I knew I needed a partner next to me. So I'm thinking, okay, who's really good at sharing? Vince. That guy's a machine. So I said, Vince, tomorrow I'm meeting with you on campus and you're going to help me. If you need help of Angela, go with Vince. I'm dead serious. The dude is awesome. I mean, I, I mean, he let me lead with the survey, but then he would get in there and he was sly. He got numbers from anyone he asked. It was like Jedi mind trick. You're going to give me your number. He said, you know, my invitations are a little low. Do you mind giving me your number? I'll text you the info. I know he had more invites. But that was smart. But we just spent an hour just inviting on campus. It was awesome. I was like, this, this is what I needed to be doing. But if I hadn't listened to a partner, just through a conversation on a weekend, I would have still been in sin of not being about my purpose. So then the third day comes. I get kicked out of the outlet malls in Allen. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is open air. I'm not even going in the stores. And the guy says, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? He says, let me talk to the manager. So I went down to the manager and he said, I can't do it. So I went to Waters Creek instead and just started there. But again, I, am I surprised there's going to be resistance? But man, it has just reinvigorated me that I've got to put in my schedule inviting people. And it was so much fun to be with Vince. So guys, these are just two partners God used in my life recently to repent, to be challenged, to be inspired who are the names on your right and left? Because they have names. There should be an Aaron and a her. Who are the names that is a partner for you? You know, we're going to have future battles to face. But I pray that we can face them with faith. That God is for us. And that we can be for him through power, the word of God. Through prayer, If you haven't signed up, there's still time to go sign up. There's still slots. Get on that prayer chain. Be with us as we pray to a God who is our banner. Amen? But guys, we need at the end of the day, even though power and prayer is great, we need partners in our life. I'm so thankful for the many partners I have here in Dallas East. The amazing staff. The amazing city group leaders. Amazing Bible talk leaders. We're leaving today for San Antonio because we got partners all over Texas and Oklahoma that are coming together because we need each other to have a difference. So I want to leave with this passage because it's what we're going to see every time we open the message. God is for us through Jesus, but do you realize that God is also our banner through Jesus? I conclude with this passage in Isaiah 11. And that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. That's referring to Jesus. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. And that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time 
to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, from the islands of the Mediterranean, from Allen, from McKinney, from Frisco, from Mesquite, from Garland, from Wiley, from all the cities that God has put in our path. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Guys, we can be for God. Let's hold on to that power. Let's pray to that power. And let's have partners with us. And let's conclude by saying this together. The Lord is my banner. Again, the Lord is my banner. We are dismissed. God bless you.